Yeah, so uh, what if Jesus was serious? I've come to the conclusion, like, he was. He was serious about everything that he said. So here we are in our continuation of the series, What If Jesus Was Serious? And I believe this is number five of 11, all right, in, in a series of 11. And for whatever reason, like my favorite number is five. It's always been five. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just weird. Five's a, a weird number to have, you know, as your like favorite number, right? Some people it's 13 probably. But. So I, I think this is going to be great. Uh, the question is, are you ready? We have a special guest this morning. All right. Before we dive in, will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So here we are in our continuation of the series, What If Jesus... Oh, sets the tone for where we're going because it is by him and through him that we have anything. And I want to be honest with you this morning. So the last time that I preached this passage... I, I, I taught from verse 17, so we're going to be in chapter 5 of Matthew, uh, and I taught from verse 17 all the way to verse 48, which that seems, you know, that seemed comfortable to me because that was a, a lot of Bible and a lot less me because, you know, I would rather, I would rather say what Jesus said because I know that that is absolutely true. So... Um, we're only going to do four of these verses, 17 through 20. So I'm going to invite you into my brain. All right. I've, 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 I've spent a couple of weeks pondering where we're going to be going in four verses. It's uncomfortable for me, but here we, here we are because the equi- the equation needs to say, stay the same. No matter if I'm doing 50 verses or four verses, what we need is more of him and his word this morning and a lot less me. You don't want to know what I have to say. So, yeah. So can I, can I get an amen? Like we, yeah. The key point. So if you, if you take away anything else this morning, it's this. Jesus has always been the solution to your problem. This passage. So let's read the passage together and then we'll go on a journey that I hope will make a little bit of sense if you have your Bibles. Matthew 5, starting in verse 17. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And these verses are setting up what will be what will be challenged over the next six weeks as we digest uh, the, what the lawgiver Jesus says on the topics of anger, uh, and then we're going to go to lust, and, and then divorce. I'm going to be preaching that one while Pastor Michael and Jesse are uh, away for their anniversary. So let's hang on to that one, right? Oaths, retaliation, and then one of my favorites: how to love our enemies. So that's what's coming up in the next six weeks, and I'm excited about it. But here's the setup to get us there, and it started way back in a place called the Garden of Eden. Genesis 1.1, we all know, well, we probably all know this verse. It says, in the beginning, who created the heavens and earth? God. Whoever relaxes, we babysit uh, a three-year-old quite frequently. He's, his name is Cash, and every chance that I get, who made the sun? God did. Whoever does them and teaches, who made the moon? God did. Getting this three-year-old to just digest like God made everything. He is superb. So Genesis 1, a little bit later in verses 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. A little bit later in the, in the second chapter of Genesis, uh, verses uh, 15 through 17 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God created the heavens and earth. God created man and woman. He put him in the, in the garden to tend it. And he said, hey, see that tree? You can eat every other tree. Eat whatever you want from any other tree. But that one tree, don't eat from it or you will surely die. So Genesis 1, a little bit later in verses 26. Genesis 2, 25 starts out in the end of uh, chapter 3. In our image. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Chapter 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. He said to the woman, did because God I was naked, say you shall not eat of and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me did this. She gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you will bring forth children. Your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you'll eat bread till, the, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust to dust, and dust you will return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. God said to the serpent, because the Lord God made Adam person, and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and ate and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Sort of that recollection of that whole story. God created the heavens and earth. God created the man and woman. God said, don't do this. Man did this anyway. Let me just tell you, if it wasn't like if, if Adam and Eve would have like, you know, knocked it out of the park, it would have been you or I that messed it up. We would have eaten up the tree at some point. I know my nature. Right? So once upon a time in a garden long, long ago, there was a relationship between God and man. It was pure. The Lord God it was undefiled. There was, there was communion. There was a bond. There was no shame at all. They could walk around naked with no shame at all. And it was there, though, that man made the conscious decision to break that relationship, to sever that bond. 
to bring on shame and invoke this relationship between wrong choices and death. Remember, Jesus or God, well, same thing, uh, made them skins to cover themselves. And we see it right there in verse 21 that Adam and Eve's sin brought on the need of the Lord to clothe them with those skins. And to get skin, what does that mean? There had to be a death. The shedding of blood. The Apostle Paul writes centuries later to all those in Rome who loved God and called to be saints, he says the wages of sin is death. And because of what started in the garden, Paul also writes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we can, we can take a gander, we can go all the way back to the Torah, the first part of your Bible and go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and see many of the laws that God gave. And there's not just 10. Here's some extra credit points this morning. How many laws were there? To sever that bond. To bring on shame and invoke this relationship between wrong Hardly anybody knows That's fine. 613. Same thing. Uh, I mean, those had to have been some big tablets. You know what I mean? So for clarity's sake, when Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, to put them in place, to set them back in order. He was making it clear that he wasn't here to abolish or cancel any of the, any of them. All 613, he wasn't here to abolish any of them. The law, every component, every type. And by the way, there are three types of law in Scripture. There's declarative law or a civil code, which you'll, you'll find in Exodus and Numbers. Uh, there's a Levitical law or penal code. It's also known as the atonement law. right? And then... That's found in Leviticus and then Deuteronomic law or the constitutional code, which is found in Deuteronomy, which means second law, right? It was the establishment, the, the, the civil code, that, that first part that you see in Exodus and, and, and into Numbers. Uh, remember when the Israelites were wandering around in the desert? So these were the, these were the rules, that they, the law, the kind of law that they said, hey, while you're out wandering in the desert, you know, camping, uh, here's the laws that you need to follow. And then that constitutional code, that second law, was when they were established into the promised land, into the land flowing with milk and honey. And the penal code, or that atonement law, was for the sacrificial system set in place that cared for the violation of sin toward God, yourself, and others. And the equation hadn't changed and never will change that ever since the garden that the wages of sin is death, even back in the very beginning, sin equals death. And Jesus also said that he didn't come to abolish what the prophets said either. And just to read uh, that what one of the prophets said, I'm going to read from the book of Isaiah. If you guys have your Bibles, you can flip over there to chapter 53. It's really good stuff. 
It says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up and before him like a plant and like a root out of ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. And then that constitutional code, that a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. He was esteemed not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted toward God, yourself, and others. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers and is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and his, for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So, all of that is foretold about Jesus. So, back in Genesis, Right? Man made a choice that severed that relationship with God. In Isaiah here, in this passage, we see the foretelling of God's plan to, to restore that broken relationship. And gleaning over words like, He was pierced for our transgressions. A, a lamb that is led to slaughter. His soul makes an offering for guilt. It was the will of the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities, leads us to clearly understand that Jesus was here when he says, I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. This was the fulfillment of all of those atonement laws. Jesus was here to bring peace, shalom, which means as it should be, to put things back in order. Back in the garden, there was communion, there was a bond, there was no shame. That's the way that it was supposed to be. But man messed it up, and Jesus had a plan. So, 
He's here to bring peace. All of that is that, that, that broken, that was broken, you know, that which was broken in the garden was being restored by Jesus' death, death on a cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace alone. With his wounds, we are healed. His soul makes an offering. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. How does your righteousness Exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. The Apostle Paul puts it this way when he writes to the church in Philippi. It says in Philippians 3, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings because like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So to answer that question, how does your, your righteousness exceed that of scribes and Pharisees? It is by one thing, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. Which clearly the scribes and Pharisees missed the mark, being that they were the ones that instigated the crucify him. As Jesus was being tried as a sinless man. Here's a few questions for us to, to ponder this morning. Has your personal relationship with the Creator been restored by faith in Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Another question Who are some neighbors, family, friends, co workers? who need to hear how Jesus that which comes through faith came to fulfill the rights and why he did righteousness of God. And how can I prepare my heart over the next six weeks in preparation for our continued series, What If Jesus Was Serious? We've got a lot of heavy-hitting things. It's, 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 that, it's that simple... That question. It's that simple key principle that we went over in the very beginning. That of scribes and Pharisees, it is by one thing. Jesus has always been Jesus Christ, the solution to your problem. 
Ah. Clearly, the scribes and Pharisees missed the mark. When someone being that they were the ones that instigated the ask about Jesus and about the gospel. Jesus was being tried. I sometimes have the tendency to overcomplicate it. Here's a few questions. And I've 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 heard it time and time again. When we approach a, a passage like this where Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets, I came to fulfill it. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? That awesomeness that Jesus is always from the, from the garden, from the get, has had a plan for restoration. It blows my mind. And I pray that each one of us, as we approach the gospel, actually ask that question, have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Here's how it's simple. I was 10 years old, sitting in a house in Battle Creek, Michigan. 20? It's, it's, it's that Summer it's Street. Simple it's that I sat simple out there in front of there. Or was it last year or the year before? Uh, just to show my wife, it's the first time she's been where I was from. And those moments are awesome. I was 10 years old when I bent my knee to Jesus and surrendered my life. I don't know about you, but I do know one thing about 10-year-olds. They're not smart. Right? I sometimes have the I mean, you're smart for a ten year old, but you don't you don't have this big perspective and you don't know big words yet. This is why I know that the gospel is simple. As a ten year old, I got it and I could grasp it. Jesus is the solution to our problem. That awesomeness that Jesus is always Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for it blows my mind. Thank you for the gospel. And I pray that each one of I us thank you that approach the gospel. Actually, ask my brokenness, you have restored. Here's how it's simple. I was ten years old, sitting in a house. Lord, I pray for anyone that is here this morning or watching online. Lord, I pray that we heavily ask that question: Have I surrendered my life? To Jesus. Just to show my wife, it's the first time she's been where I was from. It's the only thing that will restore awesome. this relationship for eternity. To Jesus and surrendered my life. Ever since the garden, you, we were on this, this trajectory towards sin, a, 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 a death because of sin. But Jesus, you don't have this big perspective. And Lord, it is you that we celebrate this morning. This is why I know that the gospel is. It is only by you and through you that we can have eternal life. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. We pray with me. Prompt us. I thank you as we go through our week to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Thank you, your precious. Amen. Actually,